Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today, our guest is a brand designer, inventor, and entrepreneur who realized that he wanted to build his own usable designs, so he focused on making functional, versatile, and timeless outerwear with style that protects. He believes in life everyone is in pursuit of something and that we all need the right tools and accessories to enable us to reach our full potential. Allow me to introduce the CEO and lead designer of Kensho, George Krishlow. Welcome to the show, my brother. Good to see you again. How you doing? I'm well. How's everything? I'm good. How do you like to be referred to? How should I call you as? You call me George. George. Yeah. George, George, man. So we've people, been, But most people just call me Kensho because they just Kensho? see is that. It, is that better? Yeah, I kind of like that. Okay, Kensho. I, want to say, I said Kensho. So Kensho, welcome to the show. How you doing, my brother? I'm well, I'm well. I saw your scarves and I purchased one of them. And I remember liking the quality of it. I don't remember. How do we meet again officially? Do you remember? I think it was at a a bespoke pop-up. In Brooklyn, was American it? American Fields, I think. Yes. I think. That's in Long Island, right? No, no, no. It was in Industry City. Industry City. I think so. Yeah. I remember that now. It was way out the way, and it was this big thing, yeah. and it was all these. Man, that was cool. So- I want to back up a little bit and I, I want to talk about like your your family. I don't see a lot of that on your social. So um, I, anything you don't want to talk about, we don't have to. But I'm curious as to where did it start that like where did you see the first entrepreneur? I'm curious. I've always been an entrepreneur. I had my first company when I was 16. My parents are immigrants. You know, they're from Trinidad. So and they have like a my dad has like a third grade education. My mom. She went back to school later on, but she didn't have a good life growing up. She was a uh, one of nine, but her her dad wasn't her dad. It's kind of like a mistake. So she never even lived in her own house. She lived with her aunt. And then when she turned 18, she was just get away. She came here, so she didn't have anything. So because they don't have a good education, they really cared about education, typically Caribbean parents. So they were pretty strict about that. And because they were strict about it, I didn't do it. <laughs> so right. I wasn't the best of students. So I kind of messed around and tried to, whatever they told me, I did the opposite. But when it got to the point where I knew I wasn't going to graduate high school or whatever. I couldn't read, first of all, for a long time. And they sent me to like a private school and I would never go. I would just cut, cut, cut and kick it with friends. And then I got to the point where I wasn't going to graduate. And they were like, all right, if you don't graduate, you got to get out of my house. <laughs> so right. that Man. lit a fire on me because I don't, I don't like people telling me what to do. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to live like this. So I had to figure out how I was going to make my own keep. So I started a hat company. Okay. At 16? Yeah. Wow. So because I'm from New York, Brooklyn, then Queens, I would just you know, I'd take the train a lot. So Canal Street, 
the Bronx. I would just observe people. I said, oh, okay. In the summertime, it's hot. But I like to wear hats. I'm wearing hats now. But in the summertime, I don't like sweating my hat. So I was like, well, I want something that was going to look cool, but it was also going to be breathable. So I saw these, like, I saw Chinese people and and uh, Africans wearing bamboo hats. So I made bamboo hats, right. but I made it cool. So I made them like baseball caps, fitted fitted baseball caps, and I would put the team colors and stuff on there and, and paint them so they look like the hats. So I did that, and I like rock with that like hard, like real hard. Wow, you know. So when I hear that, right? How as a, as a sixteen year old? I mean, because a lot of things that you were saying at a, I'm thinking sixteen years old. What was I thinking about? I don't think I was. I know I was an entrepreneur, but not thinking along those lines. What made you decide to move on it? Because at that young age, you know, you seeing a need um, to address something. What made you move on it, though? I, I needed money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to live. I didn't want to be in my parents' house. I had no resources. I had no income, and I knew I wanted to move out from. But we were living in Jamaica Queens at the time, so I knew I didn't want to stay there, and I knew that wasn't what I was about. And I knew that there was something else for me. Because all my friends, you know, I'm from, you know, I grew up in the 90s. You know, it was like the Lost Boys area, the yeah, 50 Cent, yeah. mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you know, you got the gangs and all that stuff. And that wasn't for me. Like, I, I knew that from jump, that I wasn't going to be about that. But most of my friends were. And a lot of them already were starting to get into that world. And I was like, I'm not going to be here. Like, I'm not with that. So right. I got to find my own way and I could already see some, some, some of them were having kids already, you know, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I gotta get out of here. So no, I love that it. was my, that was my motivation. So no, I love that, man. And so something I'm picking up on, right? So that was when you were 16. So you had that business when you were 16. What was the next step? Like you did the baseball hats. Um, I'm assuming that you made some money doing it, but at, at some point you made a transition to, uh, another business so what so before I jump there did you did you work ever work for anybody I did so I went to college okay. so that business got me to college and then I was like I don't want to have employees I don't want to be responsible for people's well-being their livelihoods so I stopped the business and I went and got a job okay and so in that first job that you got right what was it and what made you decide because it's some, some, something that I'm trying to get to is something made you decide not to work for somebody because I mean, I've seen your stuff. So it, you know, remember that story or when you, that moment? I mean, it's, it's, it's all a gradual progression. It's been a, you know, to get to this point, I had to have certain experiences to prepare me for this moment. So coming out of college, I'm just going to go way back. I really didn't work for people then. People were hiring me for the things I was already doing. And then they were like, you can you're really good at this you should try that because you're already doing this Mm -hmm. so that got me into marketing um so in the marketing world you know it's a it's kind of an old boys club whatever whatever and you know you have to play nice with other people but i didn't like my whole thing was to disrupt so i'd come in i didn't look like anybody else usually i was the only brown person and i'd just come in and say this is what I'm doing. And like, I don't care what, I don't care what your process is. You <laughs> hired me for me. I love it. And I would just do that. And then I would do that without knowing, like instinctually, I would just use my instinct to do it. And that, that was good 
for that time. But then when people start to try to give me structure, then I got frustrated. Right. And, I would move, and then I moved on. And then I moved on, I moved on, moved on to the point where I was like, I don't need you anymore. Right. Like I've acquired all the things that I need to be successful in my own way. So now I'm going to do that. So when I got to that point, it was, um, you know, I had worked in branding, meaning I had literally created from scratch brands. So one of my first, first, first big project that I was ever proud of was like creating a beverage for Starbucks. Wow. Like literally from the concept of it to the taste palette, to working with scientists, to packaging, everything on it, literally from soup to nuts till it got on shelf. And then I did a couple of other projects at that company that I was at where I literally cr created from beginning to end. And then I moved on to other companies where I was like, all right, I want to do branding. I want to do innovation. I want to create new products and services. That's what I'm good at. That's, that's what, what I like. I like observing people wow. and finding pain points. That's, that's what people were hiring me for because I had that company at 16. And like, I didn't have any training. And this, that career path is not the kind of work you could just get hired for. You have to have experience in it. So I had more experience than most people who had gone to school, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, and I'll be fair, I did go to school. I did graduate from college. Now, I probably went to a, a, a good school that people think it was like, wow, you're, you must be smart, but I wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't even like break a thousand on my SAT scores. Like I didn't, but I had a business. You know, right. I knew how to run a business. Right. So, so I think, you know, when I hear you say um, you wasn't smart, I've said that before about myself and I'll tell you what I, what I think when I hear you say that. You, um, they didn't see it. They didn't see the genius of what you were. Like people have a way because they've seen it a certain way and they haven't seen somebody like you come out of no like where did it come from you have to follow the structure so for me i challenge that i say that you know it was that their inability to see genius sometimes people can't see it and um and so when i see people like you i'm like dude i've seen just the little things that i've seen you do i'm like this dude is on another operating at a different level i couldn't imagine what it must be like for somebody um who's used to the traditional way of doing things trying to manage somebody like you. I can't imagine what that must be like. I'm the worst employee. I am. So uh, one of my, one of the first bosses that ever believed me, he was like, you are either going to be the best hire or the most or the worst hire I've ever made. He was like, and it's up to you. Um, but I came in, like I, I came in really disruptive and the, like, the corporate structure. And it, I came in for my interview. I was wearing a hustler pornography t-shirt. It literally had real pornography people doing lewd things on this shirt like right crazy stuff that you would watch on a porn and i wore it on purpose and i told this incredible story about why i was wearing the shirt and i related to every one of their clients wait can you wait you gotta tell me the story i don't even remember it yeah man i don't remember it but like <laughs> i looked at i looked at all the, the, the clients they had and i said yeah. you know here's where the world is here's where you're at but here's Here's why this matters. Here's what, like, I'm wearing this because you're in the business of creating new things and you're, you, you have to get people's attention. And sometimes you have to really do things in a way that they're not expecting. And then I told a story about every one of their clients of how they made a shift or what I thought was next for that business based on what I was seeing in the world. I was like, this is what I would do. Like, I know they have this problem. So like, I was basically a, a consultant in that point and said, right. you know, Starbucks, you're losing energy. Like you're losing the battle on energy, not beverages, energy. That's what the 
brand is about. So how do you own energy? So that was my job to figure out how to they would own energy. Right. And I took I took then I took those skills to the next job to the next job, and then I got to the point where I was like, I'm not creating my own culture. Like I'm I'm still working on someone else's time. And when I realized that I was uh, literally I'm, I'm looking around the room where we're at. Like when I realized that I am living literally in someone's dream. Everything that I wear, everything I, I carry from the bus to the train, someone has invented that system for me to follow. And I didn't want to follow people anymore. So I said, okay, I need to acquire skills that are going to allow me to create the reality that I want. So that at that point, when I had that epiphany, mm-hmm. I started taking a lot of maker classes. So I started taking like sewing classes metal workshop classes, woodworking classes, just so I can get familiar with constructing things from scratch, like the tangibility of things that can move from thought to action. And once I had a framework or an understanding of how to work with materials, I could work with people because I can explain, I got this idea in my head, but it's not a reality yet, but I could start to demonstrate. And it was never right, but here's here's the concept, here's, the thing I'm trying to create. And then all the people are like, you know what? Okay, I see where you're going. Mm-hmm. What if we did this? What if we did that? And then you know, I could work with people to create things. So that was kind of my superpower is that I could sell a dream because I had always been doing that. Right. And then I just translated that into the, the thing that I, I, I manifested, which is, you know, Kensho. And Kensho means in pursuit of personal progress in Zen Buddhism. So it, it literally is an epiphany of self-awareness and purpose and you know, if you're into Buddhism, not religion, whatever, it, it Kensho is is two halves of of a concept. Um, right. There's one where it's about self-actualizing, and then there's one about doing. So Kensho is the process of realizing every day what your purpose is, your true calling in life, and you're supposed to work every day through action to get back to that state of realization. So that was Kensho for me. So I named my company Kensho because I had that epiphany that I'm not going to do what other people are doing. I can't walk in other people's shoes. I can't live, I can't be an employee. Right. I, I have to be my own person. And what makes me unique is different from what makes you unique. So I had to understand truly internally what is important to me from a value standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, so that I could live to my full potential. Right, and question to ask you. So something that you said that I'm thinking about now is when you said you have to live your dream. And if you can give somebody advice, because a lot of people that are, that are listening to this are um, either wanting to be entrepreneurs and many of them, what advice would you give them about taking the first step, like to getting to where they want to be? So you, it has nothing to do with what it's, what's in the world you have to understand yourself. So what do you do subconsciously without thought that you enjoy? It could be video games be playing a sport, could be cooking. Like what's the thing that no one tells you to do that you find yourself doing all the time? And when you truly understand that, because it may, it may not be something that you think is going to make you money. Um, but that's the thing, those are the things to pay attention to. It's like for me, like I've always had an aesthetic and I fought that for a while because you know I wanted to be not thought as the cool dude. I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be thought of as a thoughtful person. But when I realized, like, no, that's my 
you know, that's the thing that makes me stand out because when I come in a room, people pay attention. Good or, good, good or bad, but everything I was wearing, I was wearing for a reason. And going back to that story of the Hustler t-shirt, like I, w- I would put things together and tell a, a nonverbal story and people could pick up on that because, you know, I look younger than I am. So it's really important for me to pay attention to detail and for others to pick up on that. So like when I wear something, you know, it's something that they don't know about. So it becomes a story for me to tell. Uh, and then you can put together the pieces about what I am and who, what I care about just by, you know, appearance, which is good or bad, but it's a nonverbal signal. I love that you said that it's a story and I believe that you're your brand, right? And one of the things is that when you come into them, I do agree. When I saw you the first time, I knew it was you before. We, we hadn't met yet, but I saw some of your videos and stuff. And you did, like what was re- re- relatable to me was that you looked like the person that I imagined you to be. Like, cause it's sometimes, you know, I see people, I meet, I see them online before I meet them and they're dressed a certain way. And I'm like, oh, I love this dude's style. And then you meet them and either two things happen with me, either they're not dressed anything like the person they portray online or they're dressed like that person, but there's no substance in their brain. So for you, you, you hit on, on all categories. So you were dressed cool. I was like, I hope this dude is a thinker. I hope this dude is like somebody that I'm going to want to talk to. And we ended up speaking. I ended up staying around there like maybe an hour and a half, two hours talking with you because the things you were saying and, and you were taking orders and you were still talking to me. And I felt like, man, this dude is really, he's really what he says he is. Um, what is that? Um, how do you how do you how do you figure out um, just how do you figure that you come to like you're dressed a certain way, but then you also is that's just the side dressing to bring them in, like kind of like the movie trailer or the cover, and then you're a movie. How do you connect those two things together? Is that is that a conscious thing or is that something that you've just always been? And it's it's conscious, but it's subconscious. And I'm gonna go back to your original question. How do you create something unique to you? How do you get started? So how you get started is, again, understanding about what your strengths and weaknesses are and then playing up to those things. So for me, I was always aesthetically inclined. I would pay attention. I'd look at that. So I knew when, when I started Kensho, and just to clarify, Kensho, I, you know, I, I, do, I make accessories to help people reach their full potential. Uh, so anything that I make has two core things in it. It has to have style and it has to have level protection. So it has to be functional and timeless at all times. So everything that I wear or do has to be something that will never be out of context, will always look good, and it's something that will always provide value to you in whatever it is that you wear, you carry it, doesn't matter. So that's how I think about design is, does it look good? Does it work better than what's out there? And can I use it for a long time? So when I started to create my brand, I had to create I was looking to create an aesthetic that was going to be timeless. So if you looked at it 20 years from now, you'll still be like, I can buy that now. So it was about creating a visual aesthetic to go with it, but uh, also creating, uh, telling a story. So, you know, I started Kensho once I, I learned how to sew and weld a little bit, I started building a bike for myself because I didn't, I didn't want, I wanted to be in control of my time. I didn't want to be cool. I didn't want to ride a motorcycle because a motorcycle is a motorcycle. It's not a motor, and it's not a motorcycle, it's a moped, it's an in-between, but I wanted to be in control of my time. So the most efficient way that I found to do that was to ride a bike, but I didn't want to ride a bike that looked like everyone else's. So 
all these skills that I started to teach myself, I said, okay, this is a great project for me to discover of how to create my aesthetic. So the bike became a medium to tell my personal story and it became a process in which I could work with other people to my strength, which is storytelling and get people on board to help me build something that didn't exist. So if you've ever seen my website, if you've ever seen me in person, or if you've ever seen me at an event, I'll usually have a bike, my bike, there at the event because that was the genesis for me starting Kensho because when I started building the bike, I said, oh, accessories really are one-dimensional what people aren't. You know, we're much more versatile. What we do in the morning is not going to be the same at night. So the things that we carry should work for both of those things, those, those settings, but they don't. So when I made the bike, I taught myself to sew leather so I can make my own bags for the bike. And then I just said, okay, now I know how to sew. I can make other things. So I started prototyping concepts and ideas, which led me to create the crossover cowl, which led me to create the holsters that I have. And, you know, it, it set me up to, to imagine and shape the things that the reality in which I wanted to live in. Yeah. And so something you said about that creating different things is when I first met you, I believe you were doing the, what do you call the things? Is it a cowl? I call it a crossover cow. Crossover cow, yeah. right? So it's a I, scarf. A but scarf. But I call it a cow. Nobody that I ever seen in the last two years, um, they say, "Oh, I'm gonna get something." I tell them, "Hey, go on the site. I'm a, I, I can find it cheaper." They never came back to me and said they found this thing. So one, I haven't seen anybody knock it off yet. Two, everybody that sees it says the same thing. Where did you get that? And so that gives me a certain level of pride as a, you know, because I like wearing things and I, and I love when someone says. Man, I never seen anything like that. So, is that something that you think about when you're building these products that Correct. people can't see it? Okay. So, I don't like to do things other people do. I only will make something if I think I can improve on it in a unique, compelling way. So, when I'm when I was doing the scarf thing, I was like, well, I need something that's gonna fit right, look good, and it's gonna work better than anything out there. So, if you've ever seen it, it looks like a triangle. But the reason why it looks the way it does is because I took origami classes because I wanted to learn about how to how things fold. So from taking that origami classes, I started playing with fabrics and materials to understand how things will fold seamlessly on themselves to fit the form of the wearer. So it, it just sits properly every time. Uh, so you can't mess it up. But yeah. it's also designed to work with whatever you're wearing. So you can be formal or you can be informal uh, and it's going to work either way. It's going to conform to you. And that to me is the definition of a good accessory, something that works for any occasion. And I realized most accessories are usually designed for a singular occasion. So and I wanted things that transition seamlessly from indoors to outdoors, from formal to informal, from casual to professional and without missing a beat. And what I realized is that the people who think the same way I do usually are entrepreneurs usually are people who move with purpose who you know don't have typical work jobs you know they, they're looking to make their own walk their own path and they need tools and accessories to enable them to reach their potential and that's what I strive to do right and everything that I make wow that's pretty cool and another thing I noticed is that you you could have stayed with that one piece but you ended up branching out to like a family and they all seem to work cohesively together. Um, so that's what also makes me think of how much of a thinker you are because you, you're thinking about everything seems to kind of go and lend itself to each other. Is that something, how do you put that all together and make it all work together seamlessly? 
Yeah. So when I started, I had a, I made I had a plan before I started and did anything. So I knew this was going to be my core product, but I was going to evolve it and grow it into other things. So I said, let me just do this really well and understand how to get that right. And then evolve it in this way. So version two, version three, here's how I, I want it work. But I want this to be the thing that people remember me for in their minds. So, you know, when you think of, you see my thing, no one else has that thing. So like, that has to be a Kentro product. So visually, visually, you know, from afar, you, you, you know my product without knowing the brand. And if you ever saw someone wearing it, like you're gonna be like, that's, from, that's a Kentro. Yeah. That's inspired by Kentro. So um, that, that's all intentional. So I, I do more systems thinking. Like I knew this is gonna be one thing. How's it gonna work with this other product? How's it going to work with the the other three? So it's a system. So for the next three to five years, I already know what I want to make. Now, those things may evolve in when I make them, but I, I know in my mind what I want to make. So I don't necessarily think of myself as a fashion person, a fashion designer. I'm a product designer. Yeah. Um, so I make things that solve problems for people. I don't really I don't I don't really care about the aesthetic of it. I do care about the aesthetics, but my, my point is not to make things to look good and make things to work well so that, you know, it's going to last you for a lifetime. It may, it may, you know, it may last longer than, you know, what your <laughs> other things that you're wearing this intentionally. Um, but the whole idea is that I want people to rethink and reassess what is important to them in their lives. So for me, I was throwing away things in my life because I knew I was going to start a business. So, and I didn't have any, I didn't have a lot of money when I started. Um, but I said, if I don't start now, I never will. So you just start and I'll figure it out. So, you know, one thing I think I say is that I'm a great surfer, but I still can't swim. And, and that's true. I don't know how to swim, but I've been surfing five times in the oceans with plenty of people, but that's how I think. I'm not going to let something that's a weakness or perceived to be a weakness stop me from doing the things that I want to do. So I'm still figuring it out, but you know, I'll, I'll just jump in and say, okay, <laughs> if I don't jump in, right. I'm never going to learn. Right. So that's how I approach things. So, you know, I'm making, I'm making this new thing. I don't know anything about the thing that I'm making, but I've made it and it's beautiful in my mind. Um, and I'll, I'll hope to share it with the public in the world. And, you know, this at the end, you know, this sometime this year, but sure. it's something that I, I need mm -hmm. that I value. And that I see that is going to bring value to other people. So I'm going to make that thing. So it's a process of learning how to make it from a manufacturing standpoint, from a prototype standpoint, from a usability standpoint, even from a storytelling standpoint. But the product is always the core. It has to enable you as a consumer, not just me. Mm -hmm. It has to make you better in some form or fashion. It has to give you the means to be successful in whatever you're trying to do. And I'm just the medium. I'm just a, a platform for you to get to your next step. Wow, man. So something that you said that when you were talking about jumping in and not knowing how to swim and surfing, many people don't start things because of they, they pile up what would keep them away from doing it. What makes you jump into something saying, hey, I don't know that much about it, but I'm going to start it. What makes you just do that? Uh, I mean, that's a personality trait, but it, it's about being curious and uh, a healthy respect for the unknown. And once you, most people are like, 
when they don't know something, they get scared. Like, oh, I don't know what to do, and they'll freeze. But I'm like, for me, that's when I dig in, because that's what I did in my past job, is my job was to become an expert on something really quickly and give clients advice on what to do. Same process. So for me, when I don't know something, I'm like, great. Because I don't know anything, I don't have to have any preconceived notions. So it allows me to think freely about whatever it is that I'm doing. So it allows me to break systems. It allows me to have non-tangible thinking because I'm like, you know, why, why, are, why are things done that way? Oh, okay, well, that's because, you know, that's who the, the first person who did it that way. I'm like, cool, I don't have to do it that way because I want to do it this way. Um, and there's no one to tell me no. I, my job is to find the people who will tell me yes. So that's how I think about everything that I do. Um, from you know what I make to what I wear to the people to even the people that I engage with, so you know at the, when I was starting Kensho, I cut off everybody in my life. Really? Why? I'm curious. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I wanted to be around other people who had a larger purpose in life, and I wanted to be around people who were making things in their own way, and that takes a certain mentality. So like you know at the point at that time, most people that I around had really good jobs they had you know they're making a lot of money and whatever they were doing but they were miserable you know either they're having kids or they're working a dead-end job that they didn't see any progress but they thought they were stuck and I'm like I'm not about that I'm going to do the thing that's going to give me the most freedom to be myself you know and most people who work a corporate job they can't be themselves they're conforming to a system so I said, I'm not going to live that way. So I, I need to go find and reassess the people that think the way that I do. Um, and so by doing the things like learning how to make stuff, I met people who shared the same mentality, either physical or digital, or whatever it is. Um, and that's been really helpful for me because it's important for me when, when I wake up, and I have small circles now, that I could call someone and be like, I'm working on this thing. I don't know what this thing is, or I'm having a really bad day. And they could be like, you know what? Man up, <laughs> you know, man up. Right. It ain't that, it ain't that deep or, right. you know, I've been there. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's some, here's an, here's another way of thinking about what you're, what you're, you're going through right now, because, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing or, you know, what if you pivot in this way? So it's more of a solutions based thinking with people who are actively doing things interesting ways. And None of those people have anything to do with one another, um, right. except for me. So, no, that's pretty cool because um, it is true. Some there was a quote many years ago like the people that you're gonna um, that's gonna affect you are the people that five people around you the most. And sometimes in this digital world, like I'm even coming to realize that there's people that I'm working with now that we're not friends, but they're so helpful to me because they are nowhere close to what I'm doing. And but the, the energy is different. So the question I want to ask to you is. How did it? How did it? Um, how did it pan out for those people? How did you make the distinction? Um, who you? Because you didn't cut everybody off, right? You cut off some people, not everybody. Right. So how did you decide who stayed and who left? Literally, like uh, people who, who I thought had a, a bigger purpose for themselves, who were taking risks. Risk taking is the thing. So, uh, the people who I communicate the most with are the ones who are going out and taking the leap on and taking the risk. Or, or bet on themselves and that's what I want to be around now the things that they 
do, I may not know anything about or understand, but I, but what I care about is that they care uh, and what they're doing. So, you know, and I have other friends who, you know, still have steady jobs, blah, 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 but I don't talk to them as often uh, intentionally because I'm not at that point in my life. I'm not trying to settle. My, my whole thing is never settle. I don't want to settle for what's in front of me. I want to go get the thing that I, not that I deserve, the thing that I earn. Love it. So that's what I'm working towards. I'm working towards earning the life that I want to live on a day-to-day basis. No, I love that. And I have a final question for you before we wrap this up. This has been very thought-provoking because I'm thinking that as you say, you want the life that you earn. I love that way you put that. Um, <clears throat> if you could go back and talk, and this is something I always ask, if you can go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself as a maybe like the, the 15-year-old or 14-year-old that you think you needed to hear? Uh, most important thing is follow your instinct. So I got distracted when I went to college because I thought I had to go to college, I had to graduate, I had to get a job, I had to you know, do all those things. If I had followed my instinct when I, when I started that first business, I think I would be in a very different place than I am now. I would probably be a lot farther along. So in, in anything that I do now, I'm like, what was my first gut reaction? Process that, follow that, not your head. Your, your head, I think your head can get in your way sometimes. Because uh, what you're passionate about is the thing that you should always pursue. So my thing is always be in pursuit. Mm. Pursuit of personal progress. That's what Kentro means. So every day I wake up, is this going to, whatever action I take, it might be, you know, taking coffee, drinking coffee. Is that going to help me in what I'm trying to do today? And if the answer is no, because I might have a headache at 4 p.m. if I drink this coffee, <laughs> I'm not going to be right. as efficient as I should be. Right. So trust your instinct and don't allow other people to dis- dissuade you from what your gut is telling you. Someone might say, oh, that's a terrible idea. No, it's not. You, your job is to make that idea work because you believe that's the thing that is interesting to you. It's interesting to you for a reason. So let's pursue that and let's figure out a way to make that thing that interested you work. Now, you may have to pivot along the way, but never let someone tell you no. Well, you just made me, I know I said last question. This is the last question, seriously, because you may put another thought in my mind. Has anyone told you that, because it seems like nobody would tell you because you seem like it just looks so seamless how everything works for you. Has anybody told you um, that you kind of respected, hey, this ain't going to work, stop, give it up, go get a day job, knock all, it off? All the time. Really? All the time. All the time. People are like, yeah, that's a nice side project, a nice side hustle, but, you know, Where's it going to go? What, what, is, is that going to sustain you? And, you know, those are the people I try to stay avoid, avoid because they don't have the same vision I have for myself. They're, they're, they're projecting their own insecurities on me. Like, you can't do that. Like, because that's not right for you, but I'm not you. So I can only do what I know is intuitively right for me. So those are things I'm going to pursue. So you have to understand people's vulnerabilities and where they're coming from. Because they may say, oh, that's terrible. And then once you understand why they think it's terrible, sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Mm. So uh, I never get offended when someone says that. I just want to like, okay, you might have a point, actually. Let's talk about that. Like, what is it that you say no to? And then I can use that as feedback as a way to evolve the thing that I'm doing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always thinking about, you know, what's next? Where could I go with it? You know, 
how can I evolve my business model? Do I just keep making things um, forever? Or, you know, is there a bigger, bigger vision in play? And to me, there's a bigger vision in my mind. How I get there is going to always evolve. But for me, for right now, this is what's right for me. So I'm always going to be in pursuit of things that matter to me. And you know, hopefully along the way I meet people like you who believe in the same vision, share the same idea and values. And that's really why I do what I do is to meet people like you. I, I want to work, forget money and all that stuff. I want to work with creative minded people who share the same values, who are risk takers and who want to be in pursuit of something greater than themselves. That's why I do what I do. Same here, my brother. I really, man, this is a good interview. And um, I, I can't tell you what a joy it is to sit down and talk with you because, like I said, I've seen you grow from just your humble beginnings to like, I don't, I don't want to say it was never humble to me. It was always like the vision seems to be like in a straight line. I always would go back and look at your website and see what you were doing. And it motivated me at times when I was doubtful of myself um, working a nine to five and seeing somebody like you go out and pursue it. I said, there were people like you that were doing it and that kind of erased um, my limitation that I had to deal with what I was dealing with. And so to, to come full circle and not be working for myself and have you in front, it, it is like double duty for me. That's why when um, I said I want an interview, I said I'll run a space and I'll, do what, I'll go wherever you were at and do it the right way with like the right sound and everything because I believe what you're doing is that important to me. And I'm glad to be sitting here with you and see that that's the way you see it as well. So thank you for this interview, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Really do, man. Oh, before we go, please let everybody know how they can find you, like your socials, your your Instagram, and, and your website. Yeah, so you can find me at Kentro.com. It's uh, K-Y-N-S-H-O.com. And the same thing is at Kentro on Instagram. You can shoot me a DM, shoot me a message on the website. I answer every email, call, whatever. Like, you will probably be talking to me in some form or fashion. So uh, it's important for me to be hands-on in anything that I do. So you'll always get a response in a timely fashion. So I look forward to connecting with anyone. Thank you so much, Kensho. And he's not lying about that. When I first reached out to him, he contacted me back. And every time, I, like even when I had a problem with the product that I bought at the store that he had the product in, he's the one that dealt with it, even contacting for the interview. Just know that he's not making this up. You will be talking to him. And I appreciate you, my brother. Thanks once again for tuning into the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourself and your families and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.
now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.